Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. I forgot about this part. Andy, what's up next? <laughs> Look at this. These are nice. I forgot about the uh, switching the banner over. Yeah. Uh, there is so much going on in the world of sports right now between the NHL, NBA playoff, major championships in golf and tennis and you name it. Um, let's, uh, but let's, let's, uh, let's, let's ignore all uh, that. Let's ignore all that. And let's take yeah. a step uh, in the direction of what we really care about the most, which I think is still the NFL question mark. Um, Let's but get back uh, to the basics of what what has been your highest ROI over the past two months? Uh, the, the NFL, NFL draft, yeah, yes, the NFL <laughs> by a like lot. If, I was gonna, I was saying yeah. this to Alex last Friday on the deep dive or on Brown Bag was like, I'm kind of low key crushing the NBA right now through no fault of my own again, just uh, you know tailing our friend Dogma on certain series or sure, and then like uh, you know there's spots where you noobs him spoon like three or four or five people all agree on something and i'm like well i'm going to play that even more yeah. and uh that's hitting sort of at stuff, a very 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 high rate yeah yeah so I'm, i might retire from the nba betting now that i've talked about <laughs> it repeatedly because it's it's uh not sustainable at this clip but the, and the props from darren and high slop and all the props have seen it well so I've had a good run in the NBA, but it's still like, yeah, back to our roots, the NFL. And they're starting to see more chatter on the timeline, more chatter in some of the content as people are starting to dig into awards markets, into, you know, there's player season-long prop markets up. There's mm -hmm. obviously regular season win totals, mm -hmm. uh, divisions, conferences, mm -hmm. Super Bowls, make mm -hmm. the playoffs, everything. I mean, there's so many markets now. And we would be remiss to not start diving in. And right before the show, I kind of talked to Drew. I said, I wanted to dig into our processes for some of these. Sure. As we, you're seeing a lot of, a lot of information getting thrown at you, especially when it just comes to, to let's just say regular season win totals or to win the division. I'm seeing a lot of info. There's a lot of good info. A lot of people are doing really good work diving in and, creating you know content or just data or data viz that's been great and uh i mean where, where do you usually start is it kind of a broad for you is it just like i'm gathering all the data i can and then i'm going to go look at the markets and determine like here's some markets that i think the number is a little off and then i need to dive further into that specifically yeah so my process is a little more it's a little more patient um I guess here's a thought. There's a lot of people who are scrambling to get like stuff out, content out, like as yeah. soon as the schedule is released. And I not care to criticize those people because anyone who's doing anything that's NFL focused, like lives through a very tough adjustment of like the, the attention vacuum of yeah. the Super Bowl's over the draft process, you get a little bit of that same thing, but that's a kind of a different set of people who are really kind of, you know, you know, folk center of attention when there's draft talk. And then, you know, after the draft is over, it's like, well, what now? Well, you know, like, you know, I'm not, I don't have that engagement high, you know? And so 
you know, the schedule comes out and there is a tendency to like really heavily kind of lean into it because people are so thirsty for NFL talk and so thirsty for NFL attention on it, frankly. And like, I, I understand how all that works and, um, and it's fine. Like that, you know, again, like the NFL is king in this business and particularly for those of us in the United States, it's just absolutely dominates the numbers of viewers and <laughs> the number of viewers and the, uh, just the eyeballs, earballs, whatever. So speaking um, of the U S quick, it. yeah. Quick sidebar. It looks like the U S is closing in on their 28th consecutive Stanley cup. Uh, both the Canadian teams left have to play each other. Drew. Not so fast, my friend. And the then Calgary well, Flames look pretty dynamite. I know, but it would be an away series versus the likely Avalanche, the Avs. Yeah, that's a tough draw. So the, there can only be one Canadian team left in the in the final four. The and flip side might, of that is they have at least one. They do the have yeah, the yeah, silver lining, but <laughs> yeah. the worst part is like they they do face a very tough Avs team. So, no, cheering but, for yeah, the like, U.S. here. I, so I get it. There's like a scramble. There's a race to get NFL content up because people are like keen on it, and like it drives it drives ratings, right? And I, I don't think that there is much utility for me to lock up bankroll at this time for win totals because most of the win totals available to bet right now are. 50-50 pricing, right? Or shaded off of 50-50 in one way. And number one, my philosophy is betting win totals. I'm trying to find alts, frankly. Yeah. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna lock up bankroll that you could otherwise bet NFL games with, it better be on something that has high EV. And that for me has always been looking for alt win totals, not the standard ones. And if the standard ones get beat up and move a half a win or a win. So be it. Like it, I'm fine letting that go. If the, you know, if the if the flip side of the coin is, um, you know, preserving that bankroll for, you know, to to bet into other markets that are higher EV between now and then, right? I was I was gonna say even the winning years I've had on regular season win totals, and most years I've I've eked out like a small profit. It's like, you know, I'll find the best price. I'll try not to bet heavy juiced ones. A lot of them, it's like. You know, I, I found a plus 105. So I'll end up going like, hey, I went four and three and I made like six tenths of a unit for tying up that much money for, for 11 months. You know, I bet like these things in March or, and it's like, this was, was this really worth it? And I still think there'll be a few that I take advantage of, but I do need to get deeper into the alts because it's yeah. like, man, when you're, when you're right, you're right. Yeah. So I think I am um, just kind of a casual, interested observer with all of this stuff more than I am collecting data and making it actionable and using it actionably. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I think where we land as a collective, you and I, is we're taking a lot of the data we've, we're seeing a lot of the data we've had already, our priors, a lot of our, you know, some of the convictions we're starting to put together for the following season after the draft, after some of the free agency, the trades, the new coaching hires, some of the quotes, what, what we believe we'll see for scheme changes possibly. We're taking that, and it seems like the first place we're heading, it's like when you get into that, you know, in college with uh, you have to sign up for classes, the first page we're flipping to is the awards page. Oh, yeah. Well, those are like, bigger prices. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that it's just like the alts. Like, if you're yeah. going to be really right about a team, like – 
do you want to play a team to beat their win total and be risk averse? And, you know, it's like, oh, they beat their win total by one. Like, what if you're, what if you're actually have a great thesis and a great read on a team? They beat their win total by six. You still just won a minus 110 bet. You don't get any bonus. It's not points no. betting. So no. you either have to bet an alt or like a, a team that you really, really, really do believe to overperform who, again, falls into a situation where it's like, well, you know what? They're a middling team. Their their win total was like seven and a half, eight. They're supposed to be a 500 team. I think they can win their division. So that right there, you have a division price that's going to be, you know, a, a lot more a better yeah. payout yeah, right. or a coach of the year, uh, a player on their team to win awards, a player on their team to, if you think a player on their team is maybe a big lever for getting them there, start looking at regular season, you know, stats. What do you want to call, just stats markets uh, over sure. yards, over passing yeah. yards. Like yeah, yeah. there's, player there's so many, yeah. there's so many other ways to just like build a portfolio around a team. Like, I, I don't think it's just like, you know, hey, I like the Eagles. Uh, a lot of people like the Eagles. Like, go look for the biggest. <laughs> you know, go go look for the biggest price. What is it? It's not division. It's not you know, uh, Hertz over. It's probably like Sirianni coach of the year. Don't yeah. just take or a like thousand first MVP. <laughs> if you have yeah, if you have all your money that you want to bet on the Eagles, I think the advice yeah. we're giving is not to just like, well, take it all and put it on Sirianni to win coach of the year. I think my general approach to teams I like. This year is to yeah. take a bit of a portfolio look. Like I'm going to take, oh, yeah. I mean, just say, let's say it's a hundred bucks. I'm going to take a chunk of that. Like maybe 50 bucks is on their win total. Yeah. And then you take the other 50, split it up between some alt win totals, some coach of the year, some division, some conference, perhaps even you, you mm. take that and you build a, build an Eagles portfolio that kind of builds on itself. Like if I was right, you know what? I want a little bit of money. If I was extra right, I want a shitload. If I was super right, <laughs> like I just, I it's a big green section of my spreadsheet yeah. where I just made sixty x my stake. I agree with all that. Um, the other thing is, if you're betting into a win total in the month of May, you better be goddamn sure that <laughs> yeah. you are getting equity on that between now and the start of the season. <laughs> like, if you lose equity on a win total bet you place now before they even kick off week one. Like you have made, not only just have you made a bad, but you've made like a nuclear bad bet, right? Hey, Job, like I, I've made a, I've made a horrible, I've made a huge, I've made a huge mistake. Made a huge mistake. Made a huge mistake. Um, so that's kind of the, that's some of my general thoughts on this stuff. And I think, um, and I think this year, I, at least this is my general feeling. There is a somewhat de-incentivized space right now to place futures particularly in the afc but in general because of i feel like one of the key takeaways from last season was that teams care less about regular season game by game the two rule changes that matter the most in the last five years in terms of like how teams are approaching a season or any given game to me are we now have 17 of them stay and you only have one by right and you yeah. could say, well, the fact that there's only one buy means you got to play extra. No, like it's that less, much less likely if you are kind of in that, you know, very challenging division. Like if you're in the NFC, AFC North, if you're in the AFC West, like the things that have to go right to get you into that one seed 
are really, really, really hard. Like you're going to have to not only have injury luck, but every coin flip game is going to have to go your way. All your young developmental players are going to have to take a step forward. Like, you know, like they, I don't, they, I don't know how we missed flat. this too. What's like, that? When, when they first did the changes, oh, yeah. that's yeah. what we talked about. It's like, Oh my God, the one seed, it's Can such a, so and, much and, more and, now. And to be fair, we weren't wrong. It still is a, a massive award reward and it changes your win your win probability for the conference for the super bowl by a heavy swing compared to being the two seed but what we yeah what we kind of lost in the shuffle and then we found out right away it was like there's some smart teams that have realized like guess what it's a it's a very hard thing to get and it's probably worth it but we're not a hundred percent sure the trade-off is worth going into the playoffs hurt Yes. Like and yeah. and I'm gonna call it the NBA NBAification of yeah, the right. NFL because they've determined like uh, you know what good is it being the top seed heading into the playoffs if our guys are they have dead legs they're nursing six or seven small injuries and everybody's banged up the team is mentally fatigued and we end up going out in the third round to a team that we shouldn't have lost to any way shape or form and it's probably the smart thing it's yeah and you know people want to talk about analytics and they say analytics to most people just equates to fourth down conversions or when to go (laughs) for it on fourth down this is this is the true analytics that that's going to come to the nfl when these teams determine like what's the best long-term moves for the team as it comes to increasing our win probability in the postseason when it actually matters in summary Welcome to the load management era of the NFL. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not going to be like, oh, we're getting to the game, be like, oh man, they're sitting Rogers today. No, like, no, no. Ah, like, you, no. You know, it's not like full like NBA Dude, load management. It because... was in, it, it's uh, it's all been out there. Like yeah. think about like the Chiefs and the good plays. Yep. Right. Like that's happening. Like this is not us kind of just navel gazing and looking for something to talk about. No, no. Right. Like the the good place is a mentality that exists now. Like how does a team like the bills last year lose to a team like the Jaguars? Like they came into that game with the shitty play, you know, with the shitty game plan. They were like, look, we're going to win this game easily. Like we'll, we'll, uh, we'll roll out. So we'll try some experimental stuff. Now that bit them in the ass, (laughs) like don't like, you know, maybe like some teams are, are a little less likely to just truly punt on games. But um, I definitely think that this is a kind of a concept and a, and a mindset that exists among the contenders. And that's, I think, the important part. Yeah, um, and I think the, the you know, if we're going to keep making the NBA analog, which is what's happening in my brain, like the, you know, because you can't just sit players like to, to rest. Them. No, There's only, no. It's not the same. There's not no. 82 games and there's such they're way more important because of that. So yeah. the, the NFL version of like resting players to get them rest yeah. is, is that is, Hey, we're not, we're not putting in the same game plan we normally would. Yeah. Sometimes, like you said, it can backfire. We're going to always remember that one because it did, but you can put a game plan in where it's like, Hey, guess what? This probably lowers our win percentage, our chances of winning this game by a little bit, but yeah. we're playing a shitty team. So we're okay with the trade-off of here's a game plan where our quarterback likely takes 60% fewer hits in this game overall. Like we're going to put out a game plan that's worse overall, as far as our scoring chances, our first down success rates, but we're fine with it because the trade-off is like, Oh, buddy bear doesn't get hit nearly as much in this game plan. It just the, the, the sequencing and the play calls are going to keep our quarterback healthy 
And you, you, want, you, want an exact, you want an exact? You want a specific example of that? Josh Allen running the football was a cheat code at the end of the season last yeah. year. It was a, it was an automatic first down whenever you needed it, right? You think that we're going to see Josh Allen rushing attempts over four per game until they play like at the Patriots in December? I certainly don't. <laughs> like I, if they do, that's that's like criminal uh, uh, malpractice, <laughs> honestly. Like if they put him in harm's way and he gets hurt because they're exercising the cheat code when on games that don't mean anything, like you know, shame on them. And you know, I think a lot, I know that you know Mahomes' mobility is a lot in the same way, and I think you saw the Chiefs kind of deploy that, like in that you know in that way last year pretty effectively. And I think I would expect it again this year. And uh, really, if you have a high leverage quarterback uh, who you know you you need to be healthy in the month of January, um, you know you're going to deploy him strategically. And that would make the most sense. And similarly with some of your important skill position players, if they're nursing it in, like if you have a guy who you have, if Jamar Chase, let's use that as yep. Jamar Chase is dealing with a little bit of a hammy in week three. You're going to give him three or four weeks off in a heartbeat. You do like, you know, you, you know, using up and or putting him in harm's way with where he is an unavailable for you at the end of the year, like that nukes you if you're the Bengals, right? And I think you can say that for a lot of these guys. And so exercising caution with injury is going to be the, you know, in vogue for these contenders and, um, and really like uh, kind of increased premium on sort of the high leverage this, games. I'm, I'm glad we went down the load management path because this has actually turned into probably a more interesting conversation as the, well, they're just like more and more questions, thoughts, ideas are popping into my head because I think, the the better the NBA NBA I keep saying NBA now the NHL viewer who is betting these games who is you know rec plus who's tracking the markets who's tracking a lot who's really looking into the box scores and has understands the load management era as you've deemed it we're gonna calling it that that's it like yeah. Dinsick has called it the <laughs> load management area and then I'm fine with it because it's it's right it's correct but there can be some you know some the let's say the talking heads let's say sure. not the band that i like but the media in general is going to take some of these games late in the season and say you know because what gets clicks we put a game plan together for a specific load management thing or are the bills in trouble yeah right. they, you know so like a team is going to do this and lose or just eke by a way inferior team and to people who are aware of what's going on or have watched the game, look at the box score, look at the differences in the game plan compared to the normal successful game plan a good team has run and is able to discern, like, this team is fine. They did this on purpose. There's going to be some advantages to them in the hopefully in the markets, although the market in general is pretty smart. But you, you're going to yeah, be able yeah. to take you're going to be able to take something away from those games more than, you know, maybe the general betting public is. Yeah. So I think it's it's going to be an advantage to some people game to game eventually if they're able to, I mean, again, similar to the NBA, like it's super easy yeah. for you guys who watch the whole season and manage this and like, you know, they, they straight up just punted this game. Yeah. Like this, this team is better than this. Like they, they just needed to get people rested, healthy and ready for more important things down the stretch. This team could have won this game if they wanted to. So, I mean, it's something to really keep an eye on and, it's going to be interesting to really track which teams do this effectively late in the season. I just think in a general mindset, 
I want to classify those teams as the smarter teams. Oh yeah. Same who have, you know, I'm going to give them little bumps in the playoffs. I'm going to consider them probably a better scheming team when it comes to playoff preparedness and things like that. Yeah. I guess the other major takeaway I had from last season's previews where I was literally like, boy, did I overweight X in my mental model of this Mm -hmm. was like, I was looking at teams like the, um, like the bucks who were wildly deep and like just talent, like Mm -hmm. rich. And I was like, they can withstand injuries. No problem. Right. And then I was looking at teams like the Rams and I was who are like super, you know, stars and scrubs. And I was like, man, it's only going to take one. Right. Well, both of those got flipped on their head. The Rams stayed perfectly healthy. Everyone that mattered was available for basically every game. And the Bucks got a cluster injury at cornerback and like and then wide receiver when they needed it. And, uh, you know, and the rest is history. Like. You know, the, and you that's the, yeah. the the unpredictable parts of the NFL would be, hey, guess what? This team had ten in ten bad injuries this year. All right, like that doesn't tell me anything because if they were spread out across all the units, maybe not as big of a deal. But if it was like you lost your four starting cornerbacks one after another over the course of six weeks, yeah. and then you lost a safety and a pretty good off ball linebacker. Guess what? Your coverage unit is now 32nd in the league over the past three weeks. Like that's a big difference compared to in obviously today's passing game compared to injuries that get spread out and aren't super, you know, affecting big units. And then you, the biggest thing that popped into my head when you brought up the Rams was how are you supposed to predict, you know, a team doing what they did as far as acquisitions during the season. And, but to be fair, like, if there was a team that was going to do something like that, it would have been the Rams. the Rams. Yeah. That, right. that front that's office true. is, that's their prerogative. Yeah. And if there was a team that wasn't, it was going to be the bucks because they were at the freaking cap and they were looking at the te- the roster the same way we were, which is like, Oh, we're perfectly complete. Like yeah. we just need to get healthy. So right? how, how yeah. do you change what I just said is um, uh, to fix that. We're either predicting cluster injuries, which mm, impossible. Forget about it. <laughs> we're, we're predicting, oh, you know what? What if we had said some shit like that? What if the Rams go and get like OBJ during the season? Yeah. Like, or nobody, like, uh, what if they nobody, trade for like Vaughn Miller? Nobody's, or no. both. Yeah, Nobody no. is going to say things like that or think of things like that preseason. Yeah. Shit and shit like that will happen every year. So how do you protect yourself against getting caught? I think, I think if there's a single point of weakness argument against the team, you have to acknowledge that they know that too. Right. It's probably fair for almost all the teams. That yeah. But no, if, 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 if like, no, of course. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, most, most, yeah, most. 31-ish. 30, 30. We'll go for 30. 30. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, yeah 30. Vegas. I, I, the two teams won't be, we won't name them, but the you, you probably know who they are. Um, the, uh, no, but like, I think if, and and all, you know, I think if there is literally a single point of weakness or a uh, uh, an expectation of uh, depth that you know you think guides you into a position, you should rethink that. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I I, I, uh, I would just uh, say that um, you know those are two things I'm going to rely on less in general. <laughs> like I'm just not going to make plays based on it. It, it make, no, and it makes me think too. Let's, let's work off of that. A team has a strength or a weakness. We're going to assume they know that. 
Yes. And you kind of got to take that another step. Like, hey, guess what? The Rams, we we, sh- we could have like almost worked it out. I say it's hard to predict that they would have gone and got a wide receiver and a defensive player in the free agent market or trades. But I think maybe if we'd thought about it a little, we might have gotten there eventually. Maybe. Like we yeah. said, all right, because we say, all right, the Rams are super thin. And, and I say, Drew, you from the future is going to tell me, guess what? The Rams know this too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and we say, all right, so, so let's pretend we're the GMs there. Yeah. And we know, we know we're thin. Yeah. And the season starts good because it is a stars and scrubs roster and the stars shine. It's a good team. It's competing. It's probably leading the yeah. NFC West. Yeah. So what, what are you doing to correct that? almost like a baseball team because they treat it like a baseball team. As far yeah. as we're, we're willing to make trades in season. Like, yeah. is there a team with a higher chance of making another in season trade and getting rid of draft picks No, because they don't give a shit than the Rams. You know, we still would have never came up with the names, but we said like the Rams, maybe we shouldn't be so hard on them being thin yeah. because they're willing to fix that and they're willing to leverage the future against it. Yeah, yeah. The, so the I other think team, maybe looking at all the yeah, teams in yeah. that light. Let's, like, let's do it that way. Yeah. Anyone uh, with anyone from that kind of the Rams kind of brain trust, uh, you know, in other in other um, uh, organizations, I think count. I would put the Browns in that conversation too. The Browns obviously very willing to you yeah. know kind of do what it takes to to, well, to shake I, up the roster. And that yeah. that's where I think we need to look at the team's weaknesses is. We almost got to look at secondary weakness slash strength. Like, okay. we got to look good. Look at the front office, or however they fix it. Like, pick you pick another team that has a perceived weakness. You assume their their front office knows about it, and then you got to put themselves in the, you know, the situation, the yeah. expectations, and be like, hey, guess what? This team has a weakness. Yeah, but also their win total is like five and a half. They know they're going to be bad. They're not going to look to fix it you know, yeah. this year. Yeah. It's a long-term weakness. I think this more applies to contenders, like teams yeah. that are contending. It's like, uh, you know, are they? Is it something they can do about it in the season, or is it is it legitimately a super big leak for them? Yeah. No, I think uh, so. A team like the Bears comes to mind, where if the Bears ship talent and get back assets for next year's draft, that will not surprise me. Yeah. Right, like they did it with Khalil Mack. Uh, that seems like the right thing to do because they are not competing this year. If they have other kind of decent players who are shining and are at the end of their contracts or are perceived assets for other teams, they seem likely to ship. That, that's right? perfect because what what is the biggest knock on the Bears in the media right now? You didn't fix your line and you didn't <laughs> get any weapons for your young quarterback, and you're probably pissing away a year of him needing those things to really take a step forward. Yeah. So if, if you do have a, I mean, think, think of guys that get traded edge rushers, corner, yeah. a shutdown corner to a skill yeah. position player on the offense. Like if you have someone who's shining and someone needs him. Yeah. He, and gone. you can get that. Well, I mean, even if it's a player for player, like if you can get, yeah, that's uh, a good point. If you can get a good young uh, depth, like, hey, this guy is—he's good. He could start other places, but they have a you know a guard in front of him that's stopping that. If you can get some good depth on that offensive line or a young receiver to help, like yeah. that's that's the fix. And you do seem to be right about the Bears. Like, yeah, if that you, office, if you, that front if, office seems to be willing when we, to. When we move. wake up, when we wake up week four, and Robert Quinn is uh, is on the L.A. Rams, we'll remember this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's kind of how this goes, yeah. right? Um, and it's, it's, and I guess like 
the patterns are there to be kind of picked and, and you feel stupid almost kind of expecting them, right? Like did, if we had kind of said, who are the Patriots going to take in this year's draft in the first round? And we would have been like, well, no, they're going to trade. Like yeah. people would have laughed and been like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, they trade every year, right? Well, yeah, they traded down again. Like it, it like, like teams have a specific MO that I think we have to, you know, we'll believe, we'll believe them. <laughs> we'll, yeah. Well, there is, yeah. I mean, no, there's an aspect to that. When we talk about the draft, we say there are teams who are like uh, the Patriots trade down the, you know, the Raiders are unpredictable. The Steelers are going to tell you who they're going to pick like six months <laughs> earlier. Yeah. yeah. They're, uh, you know, and as GMs can stick, stick around and get some, that, that's why the new GMs are such a, you know, a clusterfuck for us trying to figure out like, man, what's the Atlanta GM going to do? What yep. are we going to see from things in New York? Yeah, it, it did cause some problems for us in the top 10. Not that uh, things went, I think things went well in the top 10, but once you get to know some of these GMs and their MOs, it's, it helps a lot for the draft. And I, I think as we've been talking about for a little bit here too, it kind of helps from a, here's maybe the plan for the season and the long-term plan, you know, like the bears is a better example of a long-term where Robert Quinn's a great example. Like, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of people that are more likely to be traded during the season. And I, like, uh, he, he might be, he might be up there. Number one. Like, yeah. yeah if, he, if he flashes, you need, you need help on the other side of the ball. Yeah. And you really, Badly. you want assets in what is a very talented draft next year. That's really, yeah. Getting, really getting a, a high pick yeah. for him as well. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty sick. Robert um, Quinn for like a backup guard and a high pick. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Beautiful. 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 Um, yeah. So yeah, that, so that's, that's some general thought. Um, so then what do we do with the schedule release then? Um, I do think there is still some predictive value in understanding rest disparity. Although they, you have to be a lot more nuanced than a lot of the people who are out there, um, uh, you know, just kind of broad brushing it. Um, good example in my mind is if you are doing look, if you know, um, if you are looking specifically at net rest over the balance of the season, and it's a big swing, but it happens to be because uh, you're facing two teams off of buy and your buy got neutralized. That's two games where you got to face a team off a of bye. That that you know the number you know you're going to adjust the the expected win probability in those two games, but that's not really going to impact your overall, um, you know your overall win total expectation for a given season. Certainly not going to affect your power number uh, on a team as you're coming up with the fair right. And uh, and the opposite would I would say is like if so basically if you have two teams that have a, a minus twelve net rest advantage. And one of them has two minus sixes and the other has four minus threes, right? Yeah. Well, the four minus threes are worse because that's now four games on your schedule where you have the, uh, you know, the kind of the dreaded opponent the whole distribution of those game shifts. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and personally, like we've seen the value of the buy diminish over the last handful of years for lots of reasons. Um, and I think, I think you can point squarely at the fact that the NFL is, um, uh, change the rules about how much contact you can have with your team during the buy, and that yeah. some teams, you know, like you go into your buy hot, everybody's playing well, everybody uses it as like a mini vacation, like hey, job well done in the first five weeks, let's go blow off some steam, uh, and then they come back the next week, and it's like literally like okay, wow, now we got to get back to work, and like they come out the following week flat, like we've seen that dozens of times, right? I don't think there's a way to predict that, but we've seen it a lot. 
Uh, and then, but then the opposite would would be true, where if you are facing a team coming off of a Thursday night football game who gets three extra days to prepare for you, like that's that's a brutal spot because the coaching staff is able to sit down and dial in and spend extra time, like breaking down your tendencies and come up with a game plan that's specific to especially hurt you. And um, I think those that rest advantage is still a little underpriced by market, where at least the buy correctly priced by market has diminished over the last handful of years. You think that's fair? Yeah, probably. And that that's the biggest thing I think I've seen that's bugged me about people making broad statements about some of these teams and looking at their schedules and just counting games. Like, sure. you know, like oh, this is after a bye. You know, it's like here's a team that's that is this team's peer or roughly around the same power ranking, but this team's off a bye, so I'm going to I'm probably going to give them that one. Like it's it's not as much of an advantage as it was, yeah. and also I think <clears throat> I don't know it just, it just seems like uh, it's the same as anything we do. People want to spin their own narratives, but boy, the coin flip games are the most important thing of schedule evaluation to me. Of course, and when you want to bet an over, there's those coin flip games. Like for some reason, when you want to bet an over, sixty percent of those are going your way when you start making the reasons why. Yeah, it's, right. And, yeah. and the opposite happens when you want to bet an under. But like, oh man, I'm, I know this is a coin flip, but man, it's a sandwich spot, or oh, it's a <laughs> bad spot for them. And I, yeah. I think that's where the alt lines are coming in for me. It's not so much me evaluating a team, but give me, give me a blind resume. Of don't show me who the team is. Don't show yeah. me who the opponents are. Just tell me market fair price on every game. I would love to take vacuum, my. Yeah. I'd like to take my power rankings, and then take the prices for you know give me give me the, all the prices once those all come out, and then I want to plug it in and find a way to give myself blind resumes so I can look at a team and be like, this team has eleven coin flip games, and. And I think there's, you know, depending on how these schedules shake out, just without even looking at who the teams are and who the matchups are and the rest advantage and the travel, but like determining this team has such a broad distribution of results. Like maybe I don't even need to know the sticker on the side of the helmet or who plays quarterback. I know this team should be an alt spread or an alt regular season win total bet because of how I think. All these games, if it just starts to snowball one way, if this yeah. team is, you know, if this team is three points worse than what we thought they were, and they're favored by, uh, you know, a shitload in a bunch of games, you know, if one of the favorites is like, instead of being a 10 in the market, they're a seven. Yeah. You know, they still have a bunch of games against bad teams where they're likely just to win by fewer points. But if a yeah. team with like 10 coin flips on the, on the card is two or three points worse, also, it's like, oh man, they they went like three and fourteen this year, yeah. You know, or or three point better. You know, this yeah. is a team that's they had a an eight for a win total, and they end up winning twelve games because they had all these coin flips. I'm looking for teams that uh, have a bunch of coin flips. I'm going to evaluate that, and then I'm probably going to actually look at it. And be like, do I think they have, you know? the pieces in place, the scheme of things to become a team that's, uh, I mean, what, what do you think is a realistic jump for 
a team because we, we've seen teams. No, you know, like, I think you know, we can the share Bengals, the Bengals, no, this you is, know, this there's is, outliers this is a, every year. Yeah, this is a good exercise. And the blind resume part of it is fascinating as far as like a thought exercise. I think yeah. we can. I think that there's probably a way to do this blindly and make money. Okay, I, the, I, and that's what I say. I want to make bets here's, here's of my without philosophy. even knowing the teams. Like, tell I me say, if this, I want to bet me, this team. Yeah, tell me if this makes sense to you. Okay. Uh, team X has a win total over, you know, over eight, over not eight and a half, right? Yeah. So they're expected to be good, right? Um, they have. If you go and look at their schedule of expected sp spreads throughout the seventeen, you know, games. And you come, you know, decompose it to win probability in every game, and then add them all up, and it's, you know, it's nine, it's ten, oh, whatever the number, this right? This is the next step for sure. But most of those wins are coming from big spreads in the back half of the schedule, right? Yeah. Like it's 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 weighted by they're favored by a lot of games down the stretch. And that's how that's getting and, you to the good outcome, right? Yeah, and okay. I think that's where that's where yeah. I was at too. Like the, the difference between those being spreads a, yeah. are intact at the end of the season. It's asymmetrical. Like yeah. either that team is as good as everybody thinks, and those you know seven point spreads exist at the end of the season, or something happens in the beginning of the season and all of those shrink, right? Yep. And if all of those shrink, and it could be anything, no I mean, it could just be underperformance, injury. Underperformance, um, the injury, schedule turning out to be a yeah. lot tougher than Schedules, they thought. Yeah, all, all, any I, of those things possible. And, right, and right. So I think is, I think that's yeah. the way we look at it. We take the last half of the season, and if more than fifty percent of your wins are coming from the last half, or more than fifty percent of your losses are coming from the last half, then you're a blind bet over under on the basis of just those prices are not going to be those prices when we get there. Kind of like the uh, you know back in the day, looking at the kind of game of year lines and being like, well a team in week 14 should not be 14 point dogs. <laughs> like we get there and they're three point dogs. Like how many times that happens yeah. way more. And like the worst case they scenario, have, there, they'd have to be worse than yeah. they think they are. And the other team would have to be better really yeah. at that point. And the, like the worst case scenario there is that no, everything is exactly like we thought. And that's a 14 point spread, in which case you're coin flipping anyway. Right. Yeah. Like, so I, I think that there is merit well, and, there. Yeah, and, and my, my thought, too, yeah. was looking for – I'm trying to find teams with all those coin flip games who are near the middle of the spreads of regular season win totals, somewhere between, like, 7 and 9 for win yeah. totals. Because a team who has a win total of, like, 12, who's a very good team, if they are, let's say, you know, let's say they're 15% worse than we thought they'd be, maybe, like, a three-point power rank – uh, three points in the market to the power ranking overall throughout the season. Yeah. Like, again, they're not going to lose that many more games because they were favored by so much in a lot of the games they were favored in. Whereas, so that difference in win probability, like what's the difference in win probability from being a 10 point favorite to, you know, a seven and a half. It's not yeah. the same as being a three point favorite to a pick up pick them. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, so right. like, I like, I like where you're at too, with the late season stuff, okay. but I'm still stuck on, if I can find coin teams, flippies, yeah. coin flip teams in the middle who yeah. can go one way or the other. And suddenly like, you know, eight of their games have shifted by like 15, 20% win probability because yeah. of X, Y, Z uh, injury 
overperformance, underperformance, additions, subtractions, a rookie standout. Like, and again, I kind of want to just bet this blind. Yeah, or at least paper yeah. bet this blind. Paper, paper, yeah, like at least kind of let's do let's do the exercise blindly and then come up with uh, okay team. Yeah, we'll have to use, have someone else send us basically the uh, you know the resumes and the numbers. And then, uh, I think we've yeah. done this. We just haven't taken it this far. We get to these yeah, season right. previews in July, and we'll run into a team and we'll say, "Here's what the market thinks." You know, usually it's like we're pretty in line with that because that's fair. But then we get to the schedule and we say like. We always run into this like fuck, this team has a lot of coin flip games where it's like here's 10 games where the spread is under two and a half or three. Yeah. And you do and you start looking at that in the back of your head, but like some of those are the teams you can make a case. Like, man, if they're just were a little bit better in all those games, they were for their favorite by two and a half, they're favored by four and a half. Yeah. It's yeah like right. that that's that's a big difference uh for these teams and Suddenly, those are the teams that end up going well over their alt totals. Yeah, I think that makes tons of sense to me. And I guess, um, you know, we shouldn't, I, air, we yeah. shouldn't air this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're pre-recording this. No, I think I, I think ultimately what we're what we're at, what we're kind of getting at, is makes a ton of sense. And I think pointing to the asymmetry, the asymmetry, asymmetrical outcomes is important. So, and um, and to to your point, you don't just mean someone who has a bunch of games late. Where they're big favorites, it can be the opposite. It can be oh, a team, yeah, 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 for sure. Just Huge dogs, big, late. yeah, yeah, big yeah. different, you know, for just sure. big differences in the the win probability late. Where hey, they're you know they're six point dogs in four out of their last eight games. Yeah, and, like a team like the Jaguars is probably going to pop as an over just because they're going to be huge dogs in the last half of the season. But like, if Trevor Lawrence makes a meaningful leap, like those games go from six point plus sixes to plus threes pretty easy right you know and, what be a market yeah. that you know what a market that should exist is regular season ats win totals oh that'd be fun yeah, yeah you know they they're, they'd have to be quite fucking clear on we're using yeah. it it's our closing win totals from our book yeah at you know at kickoff and we'll display those and let you yeah. know but that would be an interesting market to bet because that's how you find it. You find an overperforming team that doesn't have to win all their games. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, no. And I think if you just kind of go back and I'll, I'm going to pick a couple of, uh, of examples from last year for when we kind of circle back on this, but I feel like if you like a team, like the, um, a team like the chiefs last year where all of it, they had a bunch of coin flips, but they were all concentrated early. And then the games yeah. where they were expected to be huge favorites were all kind of concentrated late. Like that's a red flag, right? For a win total, because like the coin flips, even if they all go coin flippy, like the team's gonna be around at or around a little below five hundred come Halloween. Like they're not gonna have the same market respect that they did preseason in terms of like their power rating, you know. And we we kind of seize on that in the moment, week by week, or we try to, right? Like buying low on teams that we know to be good that are just had a a string of tough games or bad luck right but like i think it definitely like um uh you know there's an aspect to it where if there is an injury associated with it or a player pops developmentally or a coach is a lot better or a scheme is a lot better than we think it's going to be or uh you know a high variance team like the chargers all of the fourth downs break their way right like all any of those things could potentially feed into um, you know, huge overperformance for a low expectation or a huge underperformance for a high. Let's, let's dig into that list that you just kind of spit 
you know, off the fly there. What do you think is the most likely way for a team to overperform? Is it, you know, is it players? Uh, I think it has to be more than one. It has to be yeah. like two or two or th- like, let's just look at the Bengals. Like Jamar Chase turned out to be everything as advertised and more. Yeah. And Burrow Quarterback came, took a step forward. Burrow took a step forward where a lot of people were worried he was still going to be battling an, an injury from the year before. Yeah. The offensive line was a problem, but they had enough explosive plays where sacks were, you know, kind of negated. Like it, yeah. you know, it's a lot easier to put up with second and 19 when you're having a lot of explosive plays. And then, you know, just numerous players on the defense played better than probably expected across all three levels. Like I think, I don't think scheme scheme can ever be ahead of the, on the list of just having some players outpace their expectations or projections. Like, yeah, and that's really hard to predict. I think, I think the Bengals also pretty obviously benefited from the rest of their division underperforming due to injury and or age. Yeah. Right? Obviously the, the, the Ravens, we don't have to talk about that anymore. Yeah. They, the quarterbacks, they had a lot of injuries. Yeah. The Steelers Both, yeah. barely Baker had Mayf- a quarterback. Baker Mayfield took in a massive step backwards, either because of injury or because he actually sucks. Lamar oh. Jackson took a massive step backwards because of injury. Yep. And, and wasn't the available. The team was just injured yeah. everywhere. And the team was injured everywhere, and then the Steelers, because of age, just didn't have a quarterback. So, like, you won a lot more games in division than you were expected to so, when the season so, started. So it is probably, and it's funny. This is where you end up still with the the people who do the content, and they make a long list of why a team can be good. And it's you know we dog on that a little, but it's probably fair to say that it doesn't have to be this perfect storm. But a team has to have like five or six upside avenues yeah it needs more more than one right like need you need to one. like you need to have two or three players that are poised to play better than expected like to have a an unweighted unweighted uh unequally weighted distribution of results like he often plays just like we think but his tail to the you know his tail to the good is a lot bigger thicker longer whatever jeez i'm just getting dirty <laughs> um than, than, you know, other quarterbacks and then looking at their schedule and seeing a lot of teams with tails to their under as far as this is a bad injury risk team, this is a thin team, this is a team that probably more likely than not, Big Ben, it's too old to play well despite the skill talent mm-hmm. at the wide receiver and the defense. Like, I think just adding up, kind of just adding knocks against other teams or adding check marks to teams kind of almost wanted you know if, if somebody wanted to do this you'd almost encourage them to like come up with 50 reasons 50 is too many 25 <laughs> reasons why a team could overperform and don't limit it to, to that team limit it to you know make it pick their their three divisional teams and determine like how likely is this team to underperform and just start taking ticks and like just do a straightforward accounting. Yeah, just just if you want to simplify it, do some counting and be like, can this quarterback take a meaningful step forward? Or is this quarterback an injury risk? Like, is it a a plus one or a minus one in that box? And start coming up with all that and see where you land on some of these teams. And I think maybe you'd end up surprised a little bit. Like, this team has a shitload of upside opportunities based on schedule, their 
you know, their divisional opponents have a lot of knocks against them. Their quarterback is more likely to have a, a breakout season than a, you know, a whole um, a Darnold season. You know, I think that, that's a good, that's a good one to pick on. Like, I think if we'd have done this exercise with Carolina, they'd have had a, I'm not doing tick marks anymore. In my head, it's already evolved. It's either plus ones or minus ones sure, or neutrals. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Carolina Panthers would add a shitload of minus ones. Just like, what are the, the likely outcomes for Darnold? How did, how is that tailed? It's tailed to the minus one. Like uh, McCaffrey stays healthy. <laughs> That's a minus tailed one. To the minus one. Like yeah. the defense overperforms less likely than yes. At best it's a neutral. The coaching is actually good. It's a minus one. Yeah. If right. there's there's some teams I think you could you could make a lot of knocks on as you're looking for, you know, I need a bunch of different reasons for this to end up in the this is the opposite of blindly yeah, no, I betting you. the yeah. because that, I think it's I think a little if, tough to do that without bias, but I agree with you that that's oh, the so much bias. Yeah. Like yeah. no two people will have if they did this, <laughs> there'd be a bunch of disagreements. But I think if you take this and blend it with your blind betting. Mm-hmm. Said, hey, I found a team with, like I said, they have a bunch of coin flips. They're a high variance schedule, and if they're a little better than I think, they're going to win six more games than their season win total says. And then you go through this other exercise, and you find more reasons than not that they can find that because that's the second part of the equation: is this team has to be two or three points better in their power rankings than we thought they would be. So if I can find those two things that match up. They yeah. have a good opportunity to be three, four points better than their power ranking starts at. And they have the schedule that matches up with a team vastly flipping a bunch of win projections. Like that's a, that's a home run for me, I guess. I like it. A- so- after we, after we led with don't bet regular <laughs> season win totals in May. Well, no, you, what you're saying is this, I'm I'm gonna, like yes. you're saying I'm going to be a buyer on team X and yeah, you're going to distribute yeah, it. A it bunch doesn't of have to be a yeah, find different, different avenues to try to capitalize on that. Yeah, you're right. It um, doesn't have to be a regular, it doesn't have to be a season long bet. This yeah, can I mean, be, yeah, I'm just a it, buyer on this team early because sure. it's, it's Scotty Scheffler. Like if you were yeah. the guy who believed in him and you're betting him when he was 40 to one, yeah. you're a lot richer than the guys who are betting him lately. Yeah. And if and, you're, if you're ahead on a team, you're going to get, you know, you're going to be betting them as an underdog outright, you know, three weeks before everybody else on TV is like, oh man, hey, this team is a surprise. We should bet on this team now. No, you should have bet on this team a month ago because I figured it out in the preseason. Yeah, right. I, I would also say that there's generally, um, there's still a good kind of balancing act to be between like, I think this team is going to be better than the market. Well, if I think this team is going to be a lot better than the market, then just kind of saving your powder for betting them game by game for the first handful of weeks is still smart. Yeah, no, um, that's exactly like like I said. You you want to be the guy who's betting on them when you think their their power number is wrong, yeah. and just crushing it game by game. Where and that's the thing too. If you want to bet more money on it, game by game markets in the NFL are going to allow you to bet plenty of money. True, truly. Um, so uh, last kind of couple thoughts on schedule. I think I, we've covered everything kind of process-wise. We got well weird this with point. this. I like yeah. it. Um, there were a couple of wrinkles in the schedule that were pretty wild. Uh, did you see that the Patriots for the like 100th year in a row have gotten their bye lined up with another team's bye? 
We, um, and we, we said that last year. I think you even said it, it would not surprise so me if it happened again next year. So many years. Okay. So now, now Bill's asking point, for it at this point, they're asking for it. Yeah. Okay. They're asking no, no question in my mind. And actually this year, more teams than ever were by squashed. Okay. <laughs> we saw more teams get by squashed than we've ever seen before. What is going on here? Why think, would Bill? I think you already said it. You've already said it during this podcast. Are teams blind doing this because Bill's doing it, or is there actually some signal here? I think, yeah, I think you already said it. Like okay. the buy is not as important, and if you think the buy is not as important, and you can, other teams are messing up the buy, and you can do it better than them. Just line them up together. Just line them up and let them underperform that week while you're you're doing yeah. a couple things to make sure your team doesn't fall into that state of malaise. Yeah. And just deal with it then instead of coming off the buy that you think is less. So it's taking a step back. Let's say you as a coaching staff think you're better than the league average. The league average, yeah. At preparing your team to not fall into that state of whatever and whatever you want to call it. Yeah during the buy and prepping that team to come out of the buy great. Yeah. But at the same time, the changes in the league rules have taken your advantage by doing that away made a little bit. Right. Made it smaller. You still think you're better than the average team at doing it. Why not just uh face the team that's screwing up the buy at yeah. the same time instead of instead of you know taking it against a team that just played that week. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't make sense, but it does. I can't. No, 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 I, I I think maybe that's what you're where you're at, and you're probably right. Of the teams who are requesting it, it's, maybe it's a fifty fifty split of teams who think that way and know what they're doing, and a fifty. And there's probably like two or three teams who are like, ah, yeah, I like Craft and Bill are doing it. it. We're gonna do it too. <laughs> We're gonna do it too. Yeah. Okay. So some years you draw bad and you get the Colts and they beat you. Like last yeah. year, and some years you draw the Jets, like this year, <laughs> and presumably the likelihood of the Jets staying focused for that first week of the bye less than zero, um, not less than zero, but close <laughs> no. to zero. Uh, anyway, the uh, zero, yeah. So that was an interesting observation. Uh, another observation: um, I feel like this happens every year, but boy, did it happen this year where the NFL kind of sits down and picks on one team to really kind of test them. And the one team is typically the Super Bowl loser. Like the NFL really likes to induce the Super Bowl hangover. And I was the first team I clicked on schedule us because I was curious was what did they do to the Bengals this year? Like did they front load it so that they underachieve out of the gate or did they back load it to really just thunderfuck this team? And holy hell Holy hell, did they backload it? This is this is as difficult a finale as I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, this isn't to say that this me means that the Bengals can't repeat success this year and get back to the postseason. But uh, if you consider some of the aspects that got them there, which were somewhat lucky, and you now look at what they're staring down the barrel of the gun here, it is uh, it's tough for me to have any kind of enthusiasm for this team this season. Um, do you think sequencing matters for a team like this or is being backloaded ultimately good 
because if they, you know, they got to play, they don't have to play any team twice. So they won't benefit by like an injury to a quarterback like Lamar Jackson or something like that, which the teams did, you know, did have the benefit last year. Um, but, uh, there are certainly, there are better ways to finish their, your season than chiefs, Browns, bucks, Pats, bills, right? Yeah. By not play twice. You mean not play twice in that stretch, in that stretch. Right. I was yeah, going to say, yeah. I bet they still play the Ravens twice. They still play the Ravens Just twice, but the first, but first time is week five. Yeah, second split, time is week up. 18. Yeah. But Browns in eight think, Browns in 14 is close ish. I think yeah. it's a disadvantage because, um, there's a much bigger chance of everything funnels down. Like there's always teams. There's no opposite of an injury, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. It's, well, there's no, I mean, a, a player overperforming a leap, a leap. And there's always going to be leaps, but there's more injuries than leaps. And yeah. there's more room to go down than there is up always. Yep. So good teams or teams that are perceived to be good always have more room to fail than, you know, than to move up and become even better or just stay in that status quo. Yep. So I don't like backloaded schedules, backloaded difficult schedules for a good or perceived good team because it, it's a lot better to make it to that second half of the season and have that easy landing when things are going wrong. You're grinding. You're trying to find out why you're not as good as last year because teams have had a chance to you know, scheme in an off season for you, or, you know, you're just not getting the same kind of production. Let's just pick on the Bengals because you seem to be fine doing that for two straight years. <laughs> um, but like, you know, Jamar Chase isn't as good as last year or something. You know, sure. I'd, I'd much rather be playing shitty teams later while we're trying to sort that out for the playoffs. than Oh man, like we're having all these problems and the schedule is about to get tougher. Yeah, right. so I don't. It's fine. You know where I love a backloaded team, a backloaded schedule is. Uh, I'm going to call it a lottery team because I've been doing NBA analogs all the time. <laughs> but like a team like that where they know, okay, we're fine. Like we're fine punting on the season. It's over. The dream is dead. It's yeah. a lot easier. It's a lot easier to tank when you're playing a really good team. Because yeah. you're not even really tanking. You just yeah, have to like, go. Oh, out let's there just with go out there and give them the goods. And what if we? Yeah. Out. What if we just put on a really vanilla defense this week and and you know rotated in some younger guys on the D line and oh man, they're scoring a lot. This mm. it wraps. This stinks, guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there. I mean, did you have any other broader, you know, just kind of generalized observations about the schedule that no, made I think you enthusiastic or cool on any given team? The biggest thing is to, I think, watch the end of the season closely. The load management thing is going to be more prevalent than it was even last year. Mm -hmm. And the smarter GMs, the smarter front offices, coaches, organizations know that 18 games is coming and getting better at managing your team overall health mentally. You know, like you talk about mental exhaustion, that's a thing at anyone's job. Yep. Like managing their physical and mental health through a long season, a longer season is going to be an important skill for any front office who wants to succeed in the postseason as the season's just going to get longer. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to be able to pick up a few teams that weren't doing things like this last year that are. And those are the teams that I will give bumps up in a lot of things. Not yeah. just that, but it's like, I think this is a smarter team next year come the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
final comment on the schedule and then let's hit the music um the chargers social media team absolutely fucking rocks oh holy shit when i got to the i got to the jags one incredible i was dying and then you get to the browns one and they browns one is great the seahawks one was great i'm losing i'm i mean the the um, awful house the falcons one where the yeah. the w gets you know knocked out um, unbelievable 28 to 3 on the freaking thing like yeah. I, I mean it was that was a work of art <laughs> and like i can't even imagine how long it took those guys to think all that through but there was, was a 28 electric. to 3 tribute yesterday electric was there uh in a big 10 baseball game oh wow a team was losing thirteen to two and won thirty to thirty to sixteen. They went on a twenty-eight to three run in Holy baseball. Shit. Yeah, apparently the pitching is something Sus. to be desired in in uh, college baseball right now for some teams. Interesting. Interesting. Um, no, yeah, the Chargers knocked that out of the park. That was hilarious. Unbelievably good. That was that was really something. The uh, 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 the Cardinals with uh, Cardinals. Ky- Kyler like unfollowing on yeah. Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Uh, it was it was electric. Head, yeah, more teams need to, to do that. That's that like anything the NFL is trying to do is yeah. well behind just like teams having really good social media platforms. Yeah, like that, yeah. that's what gets engagement from fans. Count count me very 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 in on the good natured shit talk like that, and yes. count me very 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 out on the Pat Beverly uh, shit talk tour like. Not in, not interested in that. I don't like. I, like, I didn't. I can't. Did ha- I can't have that all the time. He got like eliminated just, before these other guys. And I he's know, out but they're just absolutely throwing. He's not shit talking a team. Points. He's shit talking one player, and like that coming out of the blue was great. Like because nobody saw that coming. Like why? Why is he on this morning? Oh no, he's he called the guy Cone. <laughs> yeah, you can't have guys who are eliminated on all the time just coming in and like shit talking the teams that are left but like a one-off like out of the blue like that cracked me up i'm i guess and to be fair you're biased because you had son's exposure and you you love that team and i'm biased because pat bev is like uh he's a god in the city now because people just love his shit and seriously like in the playoff game I was at. Let's just check on Pat Bev when he's 37. Well, he, Pat Bev will never be a shadow of <laughs> Chris Paul. But that's that's not what matters here. It matters because it was hilarious. Yeah. But that, that that's the beauty. Like, that playoff game I went to, they didn't interview Cat. They didn't interview Anthony Edwards. When players walk off the court, they grab Pat Bev like that. He's just, he's a cult of personality. He's fun. Yeah. And also, I, fuck Chris Paul. I don't like Chris Paul, and he's a nice guy. He's probably one of the nicer guys in the league. So I was fine with it eight ways from Sunday. Okay, but you're, pr- well, you're probably right. Like I like the good. It's, I like it's not the a good, good look. I like the good natured. This make this more fun than the than the truly mean spirited, which is apparently all that their Pat Bev is capable of. So that's just my two cents. He's I think, a cone. I think make it make it more fun. I don't need. I don't need the uh, the true uh, kind of. Um, now you, you sound Midwestern. Like I get yeah. uncomfortable when people are really mean to each other because I'm too nice. I guess except so. Boston. Fuck Boston. Just <laughs> as a city. Although everyone was super nice to me when I was there. Yeah. I watched too much winning time. 
Okay. All so, right. Well, uh, let's hit the music and then uh, call it a pod. Sound good? Yes, this is fun. A lot of, a lot of uh, things we talked about. I did not think we'd be talking about before the podcast happens. Yeah. That's why, kids, if you do a podcast, do not build a script or an outline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take it easy, man. See ya.